it's great to be with you today over Lake. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout, and you will see we are continuing a series called Called. We're right in the middle of a series called Called. I don't know how else to say it. It's called Called. The name of the series is Called. And uh, we are believing that Jesus is actually calling us as his church and as followers of his. He calls us into his work, into his kingdom work. And we believe that God is active and present. We believe that he is moving and healing and saving and transforming lives every bit as much today as he was in the first century. If you open up the Bible and read the book of Acts, you see that God is present and moving and healing and saving. And we believe that he is doing all of that today and he's utilizing his church. He's inviting his church into his good kingdom work. And so we believe that we are called by God. And the, the, the part of the equation that we get to participate in is we get to listen to his call, respond to his call, and remain in his call. And so that's kind of what we're unpacking over the course of this series. And I want you to think for a second about when you were going to receive a telephone call that was very important. So maybe this was like a business deal that you were going to, you know, negotiate on the phone. Maybe this was, uh, you know, you were, you were a long distance and this was, you know, your, your heart's desire. This was, this was, you know, your fiance or the one that you were going to get engaged to. And, and so you were so excited about this phone call or, you know, for me, uh, there have been a, a few dozen times when I've been interviewed in different radio programs. And so we would always schedule a phone call and that would be an important call and, and if you think about it in that regard, there are some things that you automatically do when you're receiving an important phone call. The first thing you do is you announce it. I'm receiving a phone call, right? Like, like, like don't bother me. This is, I'm setting aside the time because an important call is coming in. The second thing you do is you make sure that your cell phone is appropriately charged, do you not? Right? And if you have 70% or more, you feel pretty confident, but 66% or less, and, and you start to get stressed. And you make sure that you have all the bars on the, you know, so that you got a, a appropriate coverage, and you, you know, you're trying to find that place where you get all the coverage. Why? Because you don't want to miss this call. It's that important to you. And so that's the kind of posture we want to have as we come to this idea of God. We don't need to cry. It's a good, it's a good, good thing. God's call is going to be a good thing, right? And we talked about how it's our deep gladness and the world's deep need that come together. That's where he calls us. But I want to just begin by saying there are some things that we actually don't need to listen to God for, for God's call because... He's already spoken them. So the things where God has already spoken, we don't need to say, God, will you speak on this thing? Because he's already communicated to us through his word. I, I just want to give you an analogy. Uh, think about it this way. I've got three teenagers in my home. Uh, they, are, they are my children, uh, but at times they just feel like three teenagers um, living, you know, eating my food and... Uh, <laughs> So, so occasionally, my wife maybe, again, this is for purpose of analogy, my wife might write a note to, to our teens and say, you know, when you get home from school, please unload the dishwasher. And then we'll arrive home later, my wife and I, and we'll notice the dishwasher is still full. And so we'll say, hey, what happened? Didn't you see the note? And they'll say something like, oh yeah, I saw the note, but I just didn't hear your voice, and so I didn't think, you know, that you really wanted me to do it. 
And again, this is hypothetical. This never, never happens. Uh, Here's the thing, though. We do that to God. We do that to God. We're waiting for God. God, will you give us a call? God, I'm listening. I'm listening for your call. God's already called us in so many ways. So just take a look at at your outline. It's this verse from Galatians. The Apostle Paul's writing, Galatians 5.13. Paul says, for you have been, what's that word? Called, right? So this is a call on our life. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Can you underline that phrase? Serve one another in love. So Paul, and right off the bat, he says, you're called. Of course you're called. And what you're called to is you're called to freedom. And we talk about this all the time over like it's because of Jesus and the work that he accomplished on the cross of Calvary that we are set free. Followers of Jesus are free. We're free from uh, from the sin nature. We're free from the burden of sin. We're free from the burden of law, from religion, from ritual. We are set free. That's what Jesus has accomplished for us. Can somebody say amen? Like are we so happy about that reality? But then Paul says, so you're called and you're free, but don't use your freedom to go crazy and serve your sinful nature. Don't don't use your freedom to go crazy and be as selfish as you possibly can. No, no. Instead, use your freedom to what? Serve one another in love. See, that's what he's already called us to do. We don't need to sit around listening to, God, do you want me to serve someone in love? Like, like he's answered that question. Yes, that's what he calls us to do. Okay, so the first part of our posture is to listen. If you're filling in the blanks, that's what we've heard. We've heard the call to serve. Now, the second part is, if you're filling in the blanks, after listening, our job is to respond. Our job is to respond, simply to respond to his call. And the things that we respond to, we respond to first his love for us. We respond to his love for not only ourselves, but for all of the world, for every single person on planet Earth. And we respond to the needs and the opportunities that God brings to us. He's going to stir some of us differently than, than some of the rest of us. And so that's the beautiful part of the variety of God's kingdom is that he will bring these opportunities to us to serve in unique ways. And I want you to hear from an overlaker right now uh, who's doing exactly that, who's listening and responding to God's call in a really cool and unique way. Uh, would you please welcome my friend, DNL? This is DNL right here. Good morning, Overlake. My name is Laura. I'm one of the pastors here on the team, and I'm here with DNL, and um, he's got an incredible story just to share with you this morning. So why don't you just briefly introduce yourself, as I'm sure not everybody here knows who you are. So first of all, OCC, you guys look awesome from up here. <laughs> Beautiful, too. Uh, my name is Daniel, like you mentioned, and I am a mechanical engineer, um, also a general contractor. Um, I am from the island of Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, and um, I'm coming here with my, fa- with my family, my wife, my kid, Jacob, over there in front. Um, and I've been here over late for 12 years. Awesome. Um, so I know we all watched the news last year as Hurricane Maria hit your island. Um, can you just share a little bit of what was going on in your heart and in your mind as you watched that story unfold? 
Um, there's no words to describe it, but what comes to mind is uh, frustration. You know, seeing my people, seeing the people from the island um, suffering from a hurricane. I've been in hurricanes in the past. I, I used to, you know, serve in, in ground when hurricanes came. Um, and, you know, just seeing the families, you know, friends, were not, you know, was not able to communicate after two weeks of uh, after hurricane hit. So it was, you know, a lot of desperation on that. And everybody that lives outside the island, um, the people in the island didn't know nothing what was going on because they had no communication, no TV, anything. So over here, we're like going crazy trying to communicate with them. And it felt like a bomb just hit the island. Really did it, you know, like, you know. And if you see the pictures and stuff, it's just, um, you know, heartbroken how people were there. And I can't imagine how devastating that must have been for you, for your family, and, um, and just kind of what a helpless feeling that must have been. Can you share a little bit of how you were able to respond in that situation? So, you know, I, first thing I want to do, my heart want to just jump in an airplane and just go help. And that was the first thing I want to do. Um, luckily, I have an awesome wife that control that. <laughs> um, and, and she actually not only controlled it, she also helped me think, how can I help without not taking any resources, without not going over there and taking space, or um, you know, a lot of things that could go. And, and how can I use my abilities, my um, you know, uh, experience, and helping from over here? And so I, that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> And I was like, okay, how can I do that? So I started researching as an engineer and looking for opportunities to use solar power, to use really basic things that were over there. A lot of bottled water was over there. So how can I use bottled water to um, filtrate water? That's not bottled water. <laughs> and I started putting diagrams and you know, the, a lot of things that could be done um, to, to use the solar power, um, solar energy or any type of energy. To, um, survive, to survive, kind of. And I was posting this in Facebook and everywhere, and friends, no friends, I didn't care, I was just <laughs> posting. And I was posting so people could, could reach, to, you know, reach to anybody and could share it to friends, because we didn't have no communications. We didn't know, you know how our family was, if they were okay, if the house was taken, or, you know, where they were. So that was the way that I, I jumped and helped and, um, and tried to put a little bit of sand you know, um, to that, to that experience you know that's wonderful I you know what I love about his story is he just was able to use whatever gifts whatever talents that the Lord had given him and whatever resources in that moment to really be able to bless his people and really have an impact um, so that's great and I know that God's been stirring in your heart over the past few months and um, so why don't you just share what what the Lord is leading you to right at this time so um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the, back a couple months ago there was a service um, about a story. Tell your own story, tell a story or your own story. And Pastor Mike was um, giving that lecture. And, and I was there sitting down and my heart was pumping and pumping. Because I, you know, I was seeing a lot of friends doing things and, and I was like, I need to do something. <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing I did, that I just jumped and went to Pastor Josh, hey, Pastor Josh, is there a way that we send aid? It's been eight months. It's still people of need. Can, can, we, can we do something? I mean, can I'll be a story. It would be a cool story to tell. You know, what, you know, people from Washington helping, you know, my island. It's far away, you know. So um, he goes, hey, 
yeah, I'm going to um, talk to Pastor Laura and Pastor Lynn. You know what happens when you talk to Pastor Laura and Pastor Lynn. <laughs> um, so <laughs> here I am. And then, um, so, you know, in reality, you know, it was, it was it, 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 we started unfolding things and how can we be, um, you know, proactive as a church. And thank you guys. Really, thank you. Um, it's, it's, it's been an awesome experience. Blessings. Um, for, for, for the project, Igor, where you at, Nathan, I know you guys are here, but I have a great team of nine guys that are going, uh, and we're going to go in the mountains where there's still no electricity. Um, we have, uh, we're going to try to impact as much lives as we can, and um, it's just been a great experience, you know, and, you know, I'm the mission leader, and I didn't expect that either, so, <laughs> but it's cool, it's cool, I'm, it's a blessing, it's been a blessing. You know what's so cool about this story is DNL, you know, a couple days after he approached me saying, hey, I want to help my country. I want to send supplies. We get an email from Pastor Mike basically saying, do we by chance have any connection to ministry um, or churches in Puerto Rico? I'm sensing that we're supposed to be going to be a blessing um, to that island. And so... I had the amazing privilege of saying, yes, we do. And you guys, it's because this guy right here chose to listen to God and chose to respond when God was prompting him. And now we have this beautiful story that's unfolding. And even it's so amazing hearing how God is providing for this trip. Um, you want to share a yeah, little bit about actually, that? Actually, it's kind of cool. I mean, first of all, the team is awesome, like I said. Um, and one of the guys in the team is a pilot. That's awesome. So we have to jump out of the island. Um, but, you know, it's, um, it's super cool that even people that are here from the church, you know, helping in different ways for this trip to happen. Um, one of the ways, I got an architect friend. Uh, he said, hey, I'll donate. You know, let's, let's build the plants so you guys can be more um, proactive those eight days that will be there. Another structure engineer said, I'll do the structure engineer. It's like everything was just coming, 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 and just, you know, getting together before we leave and it's just been crazy an amazing story I mean it's just awesome you know to be part of it yeah amen so the team is um, raising around ten thousand dollars towards the project um, for building supplies to help repair homes there in Puerto Rico so if you'd like to be a part of that and be involved DNL will be out at the serve the world counter out in the hallway after service and you can connect with him and so just thank you this morning for sharing your story really thank appreciate it Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Over, like, we get to be part of so many great things happening around the world. Isn't it awesome? I feel so privileged having served on staff here for 17 years. Started when I was 10, so. Um, <clears throat> you guys have been faithful, faithful, faithful to give, to step into spaces of human tragedy, to not back off. We've had teams go out, people go move overseas, things that we have been about as a local church, connecting with our global world. It's amazing. We stepped out into the refugee story about four years ago. Um, my good friend Facebook reminded me of my, yeah, that was funny, reminded me of a memory from two years ago where I actually took a team over to Greece. You, you actually wouldn't have found this trip in the short-term team lineup if you look online or grab it. Um, we weren't planning on doing this, but I had five different women approach me, independent of each other, over a two-week period saying, Lynn, I feel like I'm supposed to do something with refugees, and I think I'm supposed to do it with you. 
oh, okay. God didn't send me three. He sent me five. I had to, had to think and consider that. And we started praying and meeting. And the Lord added more to our numbers. And we uh, started launching into making plans. Now, the thing with the refugee crisis is really a moving target, especially a few years ago when people were migrating through Turkey into Greece and up the refugee trail in Europe. And we had decided um, to land in Greece based on some uh, advice from some mission people we were connected to. So we reached out to different organizations. We'd have one say, yes, come serve with us. And a week later, they'd call and say, oh, sorry, that closed down. Don't know what you want to do. Then we'd find another one. Yes, come serve with us. A week later, nope, sorry, you can't come. <laughs> so the day before we left, I had eight tickets. That's it. <laughs> no hotel, no ministry plans. I promise you guys, if you sign up for a trip, it'll be way more planned than that, especially if I'm not leading it. So um, we got on that plane. My, my team of women were incredible because they kept saying, Lynn, let's go. Let's see what God does. You preach this to us. Don't you, don't you believe it? So with heavy conviction, I got on that, on that plane with them. I love this team of women. Um, they're not superhuman people, no seminary trained, but just everyday ordinary women who love Jesus. And they had a heart for something that God had laid on their heart, and then they were responding out of that. We had a sense that God was going to do something amazing in our midst. Jesus loves to use the most unlikely which is actually good news for me. Someday I might tell you that story. He doesn't use the pretty and popular, not even those who are uber-religious. He uses everyday, ordinary people to respond, yeah, for his glory, his purposes. Friends, God is not surprised by the devastation that's happening in our world today, by the choices of humans that are victimizing generations of people he doesn't wring his hands at sin and problems. In fact, he sent Jesus to die and rise for that, right? The word of God says he sees us. He grieves and has compassion on us and all of humanity. He will make everything right in his time. And as Isaiah 61, 3 says, he, he creates beauty out of ashes. And the word of God says he calls us to respond, to pray and live out that modeled prayer in Matthew 5, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's glory is not about this future reality, it's about the here and now on earth, and he's invited us to join him, to reflect his love and his light and his beauty and his heart for people all around us. If you're filling in the blank today, we respond to God by saying yes to what God, to what we have. We respond by saying yes with what we have. Most days God is asking us to be intentional, to notice what he's doing around us. He wants us to use what's in our hand, like DNL's testimony. For you, it might be a hammer or a keyboard, or maybe it's a child's hand. Whatever you have, if we bring it before God, he uses it in amazing ways. <clears throat> um, that's why even today, you'll notice on the connection card that I didn't bring back up, if you look to the back of it, we're asking 
for some of you to respond, or actually all of you to respond on that connection card today with languages spoken, special skills you have. We, we want to know. Um, I, and maybe today is your act of obedience. Maybe by declaring, this is what I have, it doesn't seem like much, but here it is. Can you use this? Is your act of obedience today. And um, we're not asking you to take another class to do another thing, but literally use what he's already given you. I, I will tell you, though, um, as you make a courageous act to mark that on a card and turn it in, um, I would hope that by me speaking today, we get more connection cards because it may uh, help me win a, a, a bet that I may or may not have made with Pastor Mike. <clears throat> And since I'm cuter, I know you'll respond to me too. So. so we have the everyday ordinary, and then there's some days where we're called to take risks, to step out in spaces that feel scary and awkward and uncomfortable. It will cost something of us where we are absolutely and completely dependent on God showing up. So here we were in Greece seeking God to use us, and Personally, I have to tell you guys, I was really struggling with this trip. Um, not a short-term trip leader's dream to only have eight plane tickets, and that's it. That creates a lot of stress. And so I was really worried about what the team was going to think, that they were going to be disappointed by the lack of plans, uh, that my reputation as a leader was going to be smashed off of this trip. Do you see a pattern here? I was making it about me, wasn't I? And we, we do that a lot, don't we? We make it about us, about what we can or can't do. So instead, we need to step into those places of risk. So every morning, I was my angsty self before Jesus saying, please show up, please show up. So the first morning, we had heard about the refugees that were living in the harbor. It wasn't a, a UNCHR camp. It was one that just kind of popped up as they took the shuttle across from Lesbos Island and so there was this camp that we went and, and thought, well, let's go walk around and see what God does. We had been told that refugees actually would invite us into their tents to serve us tea and coffee because hospitality is the leading value out of the Middle East. And so we just prayed. We asked the Lord to help us encourage anybody that was available, and we started walking. Now, it was at this point that my friend Anna, who speaks Spanish, started arguing with God. Lord, why did you bring me to Greece? Why am I here? This is really uncomfortable. I speak Spanish. You should have sent me to a Spanish-speaking country. You could use me better over there. <clears throat> but being the great woman that she is, she just pressed on. And as her and Zandi continued to walk, this Syrian mother invited them over into their tent space for a cup of tea and coffee. So they start using simple English and interacting and pantomiming. It's amazing how much communication can happen even without words. So they've started building rapport and drinking their tea. And after a few minutes, she turned to them for some reason and said, habla espanol. It turned out the Syrian family had spent 10 years in Venezuela living and working, learned Spanish, and returned to Syria just before the war broke out. And here they were in Greece at a refugee camp with my friend Anna walking along who speaks Spanish, arguing with God. Do you get it? We just show up. God does these amazing things, right? I know. 
amazing story. Ephesians 2.10 says, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, now catch this, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Which God planned in advance. The God outside of time knows you. He knows your storyline. He knows what he's gifted you with. He's calling you to respond. And the God outside of time who knows these pieces of our lives and the world's broken story and weaves them together for his glory. When we listen and respond to the opportunities, needs, and people all around us and the shared mission of the church, our lives are full of good works, good stories that remind us of our great God. This is how all the little pieces of our life and story make sense. He works in us. He works through us. He will shift the energy of our fear into a space of anticipation. He can bring momentum out of stuck places of our lives into something flourishing. He will move our discontentment into fulfillment and joy when we are responding. We are called from the beginning of Scripture to the end, verse after verse from Genesis, Sorry, Genesis to Revelation, God is calling us to join him in what he's doing around the world. And Jesus' own words right before he ascended to heaven after he rose from the grave, in Matthew 28, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All power in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go. That's the so go. Jesus had all power and authority And now he's saying, I'm giving it to you, my church. Go, go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have taught you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Responding means going. Uh, There's intentionality and response on our part. Going might mean you cross the street to your neighbor or cross the cubicle to a coworker to reflect the love of Jesus. Going always involves the poor and the marginalized. Going might even mean getting on a plane with me and eight other people with no plan. No, I'm kidding. Going will mean getting on a plane. And it means showing up. When we respond God does the impossible. He showed up for us in Greece without any plan. So after a couple days there at the harbor, um, we got a call from one of the organizations that actually had a brand new team up in Thessaloniki. What was interesting is all my women, as we prayed, kept going, I think we're supposed to go north. And here it was, the call to Thessaloniki. So we hopped on a plane, went up to Thessaloniki, And and the team leader of this group that was actually launching a community center asked me, is there anybody on your team that has skills in trauma care? I go, oh, interesting. There's two women on my team have not only been trained and do training in trauma care, but they work in ministries with at-risk people. Oh, great. Do you by chance have a worship leader that has an instrument with them? Yeah, actually, we have two worship leaders and two guitars. Oh, great. So you can come be part of our team time. Um, Do you by chance have uh, someone who has information or knows how to train on Muslim world outreach 
in sensitive and caring ways. I go, yeah, actually, a Christian sister from the Middle East joined us, and she's a trainer on outreach to Muslims in a caring way. <laughs> Do you see what God's doing there, right? We show up, and somehow he weaves those pieces together. He does the impossible thing. We worked in camps. We offered relationship, a listening ear. We tried to download as much up-to-date information, Arabic, as we could and distribute it throughout the camp. You know, mainly relationship, that people just needed to talk and tell their story and tell us we don't want to be here. We want to go back to our country. And we prayed with them and tried to offer hope. As a, as a mission leader, I, I want to give uh, just an aside here. I don't know if you know this, but there is a movement of God happening right now in our midst. Uh, the news media doesn't communicate it, so I'm going to to you right now. For about 30 years, the church worldwide has been intently praying for the Muslim world, for God to show up, for him to um, move in people's hearts, for opportunities for people to be able to come and live and love people in the name of Jesus. And God listened. We just haven't quite been ready for it. In the last 15 or 20 years, there have been more Muslims who have come to faith in Christ collectively in, in these last 20 years than collectively in all the centuries before. That's called a movement, right? Jesus is showing up in dreams and visions for people. Most are having visions of the man in white who shows them scars and wounds in his hand. They don't know yet it's Jesus. So much so that if I took you and dropped you in various countries and you got in a taxi and asked that taxi driver, hey, have you had the vision of the man in white or know somebody who does? They would say yes. It's like seven degrees to Kevin Bacon. It's two degrees to Jesus. That's what it is. God is moving in a mighty way, right? It is his movement. And he's saying, come on, people, show up. The fruit is falling off the tree. Walk around. Come be, be a part of it. So I tell you that because we have workers in sensitive countries that have been laboring there for many years. And little bit by little bit, they're seeing slowly one, two, three households coming to faith. In, in these hard places, because of the crisis that's happening, what the enemy has meant for harm in people's lives, it's split their hearts wide open in need. And we're seeing this massive response. So us as a short-term team showing up for 10 days in this country, sharing the love of Jesus, really just by listening and letting them know what Jesus has meant to us, we saw seven people come to faith that week. That's a, that's a clap. That's amazing. And it's not because of us. It's because of what God is doing. Can you tell I'm a little excited? I've talked to a lot of you. I know there's big dreams in your heart. And God's asking you to respond to it. Over like you are responding as a church collectively. I, I want you to know that you matter. Your attendance matters. Your worship matters as we worship together. Your faithful giving matters because we give a percentage of it to all this local and international incredible ministry. Your faithful support does support the work of refugees, uh, anti-trafficking, and church planting. We have given over a million dollars, well, not over, close to a million dollars a year to local and international causes in our community and in our world. That's awesome. Thank you for your generosity in that. Yeah. 
And besides that, you're surrounded here in this auditorium by beautiful people who are responding to God out of their unique calling. People like Rachel, who's used um, her profession in the beauty industry to launch this uh, events-driven thing to bring hope and healing to people. Um, It might be Mike and Nancy, they're a retired couple who mentor people here locally and encourage pastors in South America. Um, Or Gioti and this great team from uh, Orphan Care Ministry that serves foster and adoption community through their work with Refresh, support groups, and coaching. Maybe you know my friend Patty, who literally sits at her desk at home doing across-the-seas ministry by responding to Muslims asking questions of faith after they download the Bible. That's amazing. I love that story. Molly, she's serving and advocating for a nonprofit fighting poverty in South America. My sweet friend, Karina, who's intentionally reflecting God's love daily as a nurse and educator, viewing her workplace as a mission field. Um, My friend, Steve, fighting against human trafficking and his profession. Couples like Phil and Heidi and Dulce Alejandro, Alejandro opening their home to foster kids and, and really their, their neighborhood through parish ministries. Crystal is serving on the board of a nonprofit fighting against poverty in the Philippines. Um, Jim has chosen to move from success in business to significance by stewarding his professional life for another nonprofit. And Zandi is responding to the refugee crisis, both making friends locally and serving globally. There's, I know there's many more stories in here. I'd love to hear your story. Write it on the card or come talk to me about it. But the point is, it's everyday ordinary people. Like, turn and look at somebody. It's that person next to you. God's calling. And if you have a mirror, look at it. God's calling you to respond, calling us all. And so I just want to say, as, we, as I in my time, that we would say that prayer we were challenged on last week. Uh, the Samuel prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Step into responding. Do the very next thing that God is directing you to do. Thanks for letting me share today. I have, uh, I have had the pleasure of being a friend and, uh, and a colleague and a ministry partner of Lynn's for the last 20 years. We've been, since 98, we became friends. And um, it's, so, it's, it's just been so fun to be on the journey. And you guys get a little bit uh, of this, but I want to tell you, it's just so fun to, to be um, challenged by Lynn and just to see the way in which she is open to letting God use her and uh, the influence that she has. I, I, I want to share one story I didn't share earlier. Lynn was just back from Ethiopia not too long ago. And when she was in Ethiopia, she was working with different pastors. And one of the uh, leaders that she worked with w- was this beautiful, just this strikingly beautiful female. You, do you remember telling me the story? And the, this, this, uh, this beautiful Ethiopian woman was sharing with Lynn that actually it's really hard to be uh, in Ethiopia and to be so striking because, you know, a lot of times guys would just fall for her and, and not, like, pay attention to what it is that she's really trying to communicate. And so this woman had a line, and she said to Lynn, it's just so hard to be an evangelist and a beauty. <laughs> and we all laughed, and then Lynn said, I don't have that problem. And I said, I did exactly that. I was like, oh, Lynn. And Lynn said, I'm not an evangelist. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So obviously we've heard from DNL, we've heard from Lynn, and God is calling us, and when we respond, great things happen. I, I want to finish our time together today by looking at a parable that Jesus tells. So if you have your outline, look at that. This is Jesus teaching us an, an amazingly powerful story. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go, but later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go, and he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? All right, so let's unpack this for a moment. First, he tells the older boy, I need you to go work in the vineyard. And the older boy says, no, just says, no, dad, I'm not going. And we don't know why. We don't know if he just wasn't interested in being obedient to his father. Uh, we don't know if he had other things that he needed to do that day. We don't know. Maybe they were prepping Merlot and he was more of a Chardonnay guy. I don't know. We don't get insight into why he said no, but we do get an insight into the fact that he is a straight shooter. He told his dad immediately what his response was, no, I'm not going. And it makes me think, what's the reason that you would tell God no? What's a reason that, that you would just say, no, God, I'm not in? You've heard all these stories. We talk about how God is, is calling us. And what's a reason that we would give? Maybe it's just uncomfortable and we're afraid. Maybe we've, we've got an agenda. We've got plans. We've, we've got dreams of our own. And, it, it, you know, and we're, we're just we're thinking, no, I, that will inconvenience me. That will sidetrack me. Maybe we just care more about calling the shots in our lives. We don't want to give God that platform. I see what, what, maybe it's that God will call us to something uncool. What is it that would prompt disobedience, that, we would, that would prompt us to say, no thanks, God? What is interesting is that the boy comes around, doesn't he? Changes his mind that, that this older, older brother, he ends up saying, uh, he says no, but then he ends up coming back around. He gets there. He gets to the vineyard. He gets to, to obedience. And, and again, we don't know why. We don't know if he just realized he wasn't as busy as he thought he was or, you know, we don't realize that maybe he, he thought the excuses that he had uh, were actually not that significant or maybe he just decided, you know what, Merlot's okay. Uh, it's not going to change anybody's world, but it's okay, you know, and I don't know. We don't get inside. All we know is that he does get to obedience, which is a good thing. Now, look at the younger son. The younger son, he also gets the same call. Buddy, you need to go in the vineyard today. I need you to work in the vineyard. And the younger boy says, sure, dad, I'm in. Absolutely. That, no problem. I'm, I'm totally in. And then the dad leaves and the younger boy picks up his halo video control uh, and, and begins to play and suddenly the day is gone. Or maybe he thinks to himself, you know what, I'll head out after breakfast, but then after breakfast something comes up and that keeps him busy for the morning and then he thinks, oh, I'll go after lunch, but then after lunch he has that other thing and then that email to send, he's got to update his social you know, network status and all this stuff. And, and next thing he knows, the day has just disappeared. See, I don't know if the younger boy really intended to be disobedient. I just think he kind of let the opportunity pass. And when I think about it that way, I think, ooh, that's, that's hitting near home. You see, I'm, I'm way too much of a coward to tell God no to his face. 
I'm like the younger brother. Sure, God, that sounds great. Yes, Lord. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, those people need help. Yeah, we could do this great thing. And then, of course, the meetings and the emails and, and the appointments and the kids' sports and all the rest that goes on with, you know, uh, leading and prepping and, and running a household. All, it's just everything, right? Like, we all know there's all of this stuff. And the next thing we know, the opportunity's passed. And we have become disobedient. And so that's a challenge. And I, just, I, I want you to think about that. And, and, and here's the thing. We, we cannot play these kind of games with Jesus. It, there's just too much on the line. There's too much about our own heart and, and what God is calling us into. There's too much about the needs of the world. We, we can't play games like this with Jesus. And so I want to teach you something. This is a truth, and it's, and it's going to rock your world. You guys are going to remember this forever, okay? It's going to be on the screen. It's this. Responding to God without responding to God isn't responding to God. Blew your mind, didn't it? Responding to God without responding to God isn't responding to God. In other words, saying yes, God, and then not doing anything about it, it's not responding to God. It's actually a little bit like this discount that we saw, this shoe discount. You know, somebody said, hey, let's put these shoes on discount. And somebody else said, oh, that's a great idea. Let's put them on discount. <laughs> but friends, a discount without a discount is not a discount. Are you, are you following me? And so we can't play games like this with Jesus. That when Jesus calls us, we have to be willing to respond. And just remember, responding without responding isn't responding. We've got to actually say yes and then respond. You know, Jesus doesn't tell the story of anybody else in this parable. Just the two brothers. The one says no, but then goes. The one says yes, but then doesn't. But I imagine that maybe there was a third child in this family, maybe the youngest, maybe a daughter, and she was the baby of the family. Maybe she was the apple of her daddy's eye. And when the father came to her, he said, hey, sweetheart, you know, I've asked your, other, your, your brothers to head out into the vineyard today. I'm wondering, would you mind, would you serve as well in the vineyard? And, and the daughter says, sure, dad, and then does and there's no epic twist at the end. She just happens to do what she said she was going to do because her father called her to do it. And Overlake, that's who we want to become. That is the picture that Jesus is calling us to go after. That we are his church, partnering with his good work as we help bring his kingdom here and now, right? You are called to be free, but don't use your freedom to serve your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's ask Jesus for the courage to do just that. Lord, we just want to say thank you for the way in which you have proven your love to us. Thank you for the way that you have pursued us in love through the years, that, that somehow you have intersected our lives. Your spirit has gotten our attention. You have revealed the way in which on the cross of Calvary you settled the issue once and for all that we are loved by you. And we're so thankful that you have. And we are your followers. 
And so as your followers, we want to listen and we want to respond to your call. Would you please speak to us now and remind us of how you already have spoken and how we can already begin to move our lives into a posture of listening and response that we can already become obedient in the tasks that you've called us to do. Specifically, show us what it looks like to serve one another in love. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Mm-hmm.